You're listening to the Brilliant Breakthroughs Podcast, episode number 26 with Greg Nicholson. Hi, small business owners, and welcome to Brilliant Breakthroughs Podcast, where we focus on creating brilliant breakthroughs for the small business owner. FYI, that's also the number one Amazon best-selling book for small business owners and entrepreneurs. The good news is you can find this book in paperback or ebook form. Just so you know where you can go get it, click on Amazon, go to Brilliant Breakthroughs for the Small Business Owner, Fresh Perspectives on Profitability, People, Productivity, and Finding Peace in Your Business. Hi, rock stars. My name is Maggie Mongan. I'm the anthology leader for this really great book that we've been talking about. And today, we are honored to have Greg Nicholson, a number one best-selling author with us to talk about your business's profitability performance, being supported via your customer attraction and marketing message. Welcome, Greg. Thank you, Maggie. So nice to hear your voice again. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Um, good to be back in contact in 2018. Here we go. So we're starting everybody off with some very simple knowledge of who you are and what you've done, okay? Okay. So everyone, Greg's chapter is the second one, and it's titled, If Your Marketing Efforts Aren't Bringing in New Clients, Here's the Three-Step Solution. Sounds pretty good, right? Yeah. How easy could it be? <laughs> yeah. how easy can that whole marketing machine be <laughs> well you make it a little easy for us and greg you covered a lot of ground in your chapter while at the same time you only scratched the surface of a lot of challenges that small business owners have mm -hmm. when it comes to them creating a marketing message that's really going to help them own their marketplace you call it dominating their yeah. marketplace right mm-hmm so I thought it might be really good for us to take a little time and let folks know how awesome you are. By, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a humbling statement, right? Yeah. <laughs> by sharing the three points that you emphasize in your chapter and us just kicking around those three a little bit. How does that sure. sound? Yeah, oh. sounds good. Okay, so you started us out with this chapter talking about the ideal client or ideal customer profile. Mm -hmm. Because in marketing, that's where everything begins, right? Right. Okay, you have to know your audience in order to speak to them effectively. Mm -hmm. And you explain the profile pretty well, but there's something that's happening out in the marketplace that as uh, a business coach, I hear a ton of, mm -hmm. and it's it seems like a lot of small business owners are getting caught in the minutia of creating their customer avatar. And mm -hmm. I, I was really curious what your take is on that because to me, there's benefit to doing it, but sometimes it's too much. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I think. Um the customer avatar and I'm, I'm speaking for small business owners you know i've, right. I've come from um 20 years of, of working in, in big business and you know that's a whole different ball game but for the typical business owner i think 
that the, the customer avatar can be useful and to humanize who the who your ideal client or, or customer is it, it i think it helps you to know that hey my ideal client is sally she's 37 and has 2.3 dogs and you know whatever but my my concern with that is how actionable that information is that you know she likes the lifetime network or, or whatever i mean what do you really how are you going to change your marketing messages based on that? So again, I think it's useful as a tool for, cause we're human to get an idea and a picture in our mind of who these people are. But in terms of actionability, I wouldn't go overboard. Um, I think really it comes down to for ideal client profile, understanding what um, their pains or what kind, type of uh, gains they're looking for that you can fulfill, that your product or service delivers um, for them better um, than the other options out there in the marketplace. And I really think that's where you should spend your time focusing and, and not get too caught up in um, the avatar thing. Okay, that, that's really cool. So to drill that down, besides the wisdom that you share in the book about how to create the profile and why you're doing it, the key is to make sure that as you're exploring who your ideal customer is, to look at really what are their pains and or their gains mm -hmm. that you can help relieve or solve, correct? Yeah, I think that's that's all that really matters. I mean, it's always try and enter the conversation that's happening in the customer's head. And I always talk about, and I stole this from um, Zig Ziglar, but it's all about WIFM, what's in it for me. And that's the only radio station that all of us ever listen to. And so really understanding what is it that they're wanting or needing um, a burning pain or a burning desire um, that you can address, that's going to be really important, much more important than, oh, they drive red Toyotas. Got it. So you're talking about be thorough, but not to the point of minutiae. I think so. I, I think that um, unless you've got a massive budget and you're going after a national audience, and you've got data scientists and, and stuff that you can do segmentation and custom audiences and all those kinds of things. I think it's overkill for most business owners who are already small business owners who are already pretty overwhelmed. So stick to the content and explore what it is to the point that I can create an action that's going to solve that. Right. Because at the end of the day, the real question is, um, I don't need you to really understand me, but I, I, can you solve my problem or not period you need to understand what it all is. okay so it's you need to understand my problem yeah that you need to understand but the rest of my world may not matter yeah my house is on fire well is it a two-story is it stucco i mean my house is on fire <laughs> can you put the fire out or not right that's what's that's the critical thing okay now I hope everybody heard that. Say that again, because this, this really nails it. Like my, my house, house is on, on fire. fire. <laughs> Can you put the fire out? It doesn't matter what color my house is, or was it a two-door style or whatever. 
all and really understanding, well, are you a 45 year old person? Are you 55? My house is on fire. Can you put it out? That's all that matters to that customer. And you've got to speak to that. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. I nodded and realized that nobody can hear me nod. (laughs) (laughs) It's, there's power in that analogy Mm -hmm. because it, it streamlines the development that the business owner is taking, you know, we, you spend all this time creating an offer, but then you got to shift it to marketing. And if you start going through the whole avatar situation, you could get stuck there forever and never launch your offering. So this is my house on fire. Who cares how old you are? Your house is on fire. Right. You know, your age will determine a few things that you say or don't say and, you know, right. but it's really coming down to my house is on fire. Mm-hmm. And if their house isn't on fire, then you're not a solution for them and they're not going to buy from you anyway. Huh. Bam. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. But thanks for simplifying that. Yeah, my pleasure. That's really cool. Uh, let's move on to the second point in okay. your chapter, which is your market dominating position for yeah. the small business owner. Mm-hmm. And when I read it, two things really came through for me. One was the power of, of the small business owner learning to differentiate themselves from all the competition out there. Mm-hmm. And I personally don't think enough small business owners put time there. And maybe it's because they're spending too much time on their customer uh, avatar. Uh, Mm. I almost said gravatar. And the other thing you were talking about was adding your value. So Mm. tell us a little bit more about the, how to make this a powerful um, communication. Yeah. Well, some people call it, um, you know, your unique selling proposition or secret sauce. I like to call it market dominating position. Um, you know, we're really talking about the same thing. And it, and it comes down to when we go back to the WIFM, what's in it for me, it's the question in an ideal prospect's mind. You realize that this is this kind of hierarchy. Once we're now, we've identified who our ideal clients are. The question in their mind is always, well, why should I buy from you? So if my house is on fact in fi- on fire, why should I buy from you versus the other person, the other options out there? And so this is really important because otherwise you get, it's so easy to become a commodity where it's just, yes. you know, you can call me, you can call anybody. Um, and, you know, a good example of this, I think is, um, is Domino's, right? So they started off, um, you know, kind of going back just a second on the ideal client profile. They decided, you know, back in the day when before delivery pizza was kind of ubiquitous, it was like, I bet if we put um, pizza delivery in a college town, there's a whole bunch of hungry, stoned kids who will buy our pizza, right? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, there's our ideal client. Don't want to get in a car. Don't maybe don't even have a car, and we're too drunk to drive. So we're going to order some pizza. And then Domino's then came along and said, you know, 
it'll be there in 30 minutes or it's free, right? And so then there's that market dominating position, like you're not even gonna consider anybody else. Now, this was back in the day when they didn't have many other competitors, but right. what a market dominating position. And by the way, the market dominating position has to be something that I understand and it has to be something that I value that's important to me. So a lot of times when I talk to uh, have a discovery call with a small business owner, I'll say, you know, what's your market dominating position? And they'll say things like we're family owned. We've been in business for 25 years and you go back WIFM. I, it's great. You have an adorable dog on your website, but my house is on fire. <laughs> Can you help me or not? It's great that you're a neat person and, and you like this TV show, but it really comes down to what can you do for me? What can you do differently than the other options out there? And, and when you think about it, and I'm, I'm sure as you're listening to me, you're thinking about these questions yourself and you're realizing, well, yeah, that's what I do when I'm a customer, but it's, it's hard sometimes when, when we're so close to our own business to, to think about it objectively like that, that that's the way your customers may be perceiving you. And it really comes down to what's in it for me, and it has to be in a way, something that they understand. I, I give this example and I'll shut up. Um, I was talking to a roofer once and I said, what's your market dominating position? And he mentioned that they, he uses, um, I, don't, I don't remember what it was, but it was like epoxy number, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I don't know what that means. It's not a market dominating position if an ideal client doesn't understand what your value is. So it has to be something that I understand and something that I value. Okay. I love that. Because while you were talking, I got really quiet because I started thinking. <laughs> <laughs> started thinking about my business. I started thinking about some things that I've heard and some stuff that my clients are developing. And you just streamlined it. You just really streamlined it again to the customer has to understand it. You know, we can get your pizza there and you don't have to get a, um, a ticket for driving under the influence. Okay. And we can get it there in 30 minutes. So if you got the munchies, you're, you're, we're going to cover you. Fresh hot pizza in 30 minutes or it's free. That's a slam dunk. Right. So in order to do that, they have to position themselves very close to the geography they're going to serve for the 30 minutes. Okay, I get that. Yep. But now we need to think like that, small business owners, we need to think like that for our customers of what is it that they understand and matters to them? Yeah. That's the value part, what matters to them? Because again, the house is on fire. We don't care if you've been a fireman for 30 years or three years. The house is on fire. When can you be here? That's right. the only question. Right. I'm loving this. This is great. <laughs> you're awesome. Oh, thanks. Must be why you're an expert at what you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't blush now. <laughs> Unfortunately, they can't see me blush on the podcast. No, but I, I'm getting to see you blush right oh, now. <laughs> fair enough. Okay, so you have... Three points in your chapter. Bring home the third point for us. Tell us what it is and the power to it. I'm going to let you run and then I'll interject. Okay. So it's called the conversion equation. And it's 
the, the acronym is IEEO, which stands for Interrupt, Engage, Educate, and Offer. Um, now this is, and I wanna put one asterisk with this. So this is the marketing formula for um, businesses that um, serve anything that is a considered purchase. So the easiest way to identify what a considered purchase is is by its opposite, an impulse buy. If you're suing, if you're a 7-Eleven, if you're a Domino's Pizza, that's an impulse buy. My consideration of whether or not to buy the pizza is 30 seconds. It's 6 p.m. I'm hungry. Here's a coupon. Boom, I'm done. Okay. okay. Impulse buys also are things like when we go grocery shopping, everything that's right before the, the checkout counter while yeah. we're waiting, that all that junk that we're just going to throw on, that's an impulse buy, right? Yeah. They don't, the consideration is almost none. Okay, great. But most businesses out there are selling um, some sort of considered purchase, whether that consideration cycle is a couple of days or it could be years. So think of someone who sells high-end real estate or not even necessarily high-end real estate, but that's the biggest purchase that most people ever make. That is a huge, typically the biggest consideration of any, of any sale or purchase that you make. So it's not something you just wake up one morning and go, well, I think I'm gonna buy a house today. It, there's this consideration cycle. <laughs> and so the critical part of this is understanding and I see this, this is one of the biggest things I see over and over and over small business owners neglecting, is they're only speaking to now buyers. What's oh, a buyer? Somebody who is in market to buy today. Now, don't get me wrong, they're the holy grail. We all want that. We want as many people who are ready to whip out their credit card and buy whatever you sell. We all want that, but guess what? You and all of your competitors are all fighting over the handful of people who are ready to buy today. You are duking it out. You're also probably duking it out with big companies who have massive budgets. And how are you competing? How are you gonna compete against them? Right? Right. So as I, we've seen empirically over and over again that let, depending on the product or service, at most 3% of your market is in market today, ready to buy today. 97% of your market is somewhere between, I'm maybe, depending on what it is, six months away from buying it, six days, six hours, whatever, there's a consideration cycle. And if you are focusing just on now buyers, like all of your competitors are, then you are doomed to just fight it out. And the only way to really compete is then drop your price. Because how do I compete then? Well, I'm the, I'm the low price leader. Well, if you're not Walmart, I don't know how you play that game and win, right? And so you don't want to commoditize yourself. You don't want to have to just keep discounting. That, you know, that's, that's a slippery slope that you can't win. So I, I haven't even gotten to the conversion equation. I'm sorry, I got all off on a tangent. But no, 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 that's okay. This is so important. It is, it is. is that um, this is how you go after the 97% of your market that chances are your competitors are ignoring. And that's how you can service those 97% of your marketplace 
and create value with them and so that when they are ready to pull the trigger, when they're ready to buy, you've already established value with them, you've established a relationship with them, and they're only gonna call you when they're ready to pick up and when they're ready to pull the trigger. So, all right, so. <laughs> conversion equation now, like, but I see like you might have a question or comment, so I'll pause. <laughs> well, no, I, I'm loving it because uh, the holy grail, as you say, mm -hmm. is what essentially anyone who's selling anything online is going after. It's it's the quick hit now, and you know we we all want that. We all deserve to have that. But what I say is the rest of the story is where the money really is, and that's. Yeah nurturing your 97% of your marketplace. So you're always top of mind awareness for them. Mm -hmm. so, so that when their moment comes where they become the 3%, it's a done deal and they don't know anyone else except you because you've been building relationship with them all along. Good relationship makes good business and it makes business easier to close. Right. And think about it from this perspective. Going back to what's in it for me, think of the loyalty of the, the, the business who took into consideration that I wasn't ready to pull the trigger. But now that I am, I, it, it's a whole different thing. If, if you think about um, the one sale that everybody can relate to is courtship. And what Think of trying to go on like that first date, the first time you see somebody and you might go for coffee or something like that. And the whole point of that coffee date is just to qualify and see, do I want to actually go on a date with this person? You develop this relationship and then eventually maybe you get married or whatever later. But what I see most small businesses doing is they're like trying to go from the coffee date to the wedding chapel. And yeah, there's some people who are ready to get married on the first date, but again, that's that maybe 3% of the market and the, the pressure to, and, and, and the push um, for people who aren't quite ready, aren't there yet, having the patience and developing that relationship that literally like a courtship, that is what's going to uh, make such a big difference. And it's so expensive to try and grab the people who are in market. You've got to have a big budget to really make a dent in the people who are ready to buy today, but it's much more cost-effective to go after the 97% to meet them where they are, whether that's two weeks or two months out for making the buying decision and creating value for them now. Right. And, and I, I love your analogy of courting. It's what I have blogged about for years. And too often, as you say, you, you said meet for coffee and then end up at the wedding chapel. Well, sometimes the meeting for coffee is the wedding chapel. Yeah. And at, from the customer stance, that's overwhelming. And it usually sure. doesn't go well because you sound desperate to close a deal. Make right. a deal, whatever you want to say. And, mm -hmm. and then the question is, why are you so desperate? Maybe you're not that good. And... I, I just feel that 97% is a large number of anything. And if that's yep. your marketplace and you're turning your back to go find the 3%, you're missing the mark big time. Yeah. 
So we just need to be more patient and do our job as well as we know we can. And meet our customers where they are. Okay, you said that like three times. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, don't be sorry. <laughs> I know the power of that statement, but let's have you share the power of meet them where they are because that is the secret. Yeah. Um, I think if we go back to the, I haven't used this analogy before, so who knows, this could blow up my face, but <laughs> the house on fire, you know, um, somebody who's just seen a little bit of sparks and smoke is in a different place than when the house is a raging fire and it's kind of meeting them where, where they are. Um, and back to like the dating thing, you know, most people aren't ready to commit to a lifetime partnership with somebody on a coffee date in the first meeting. And the same thing is that most people don't buy a product or service the first time they're exposed to it. And yet that's the expectation that so much of the marketing that people do. They're trying to grab people who are ready to buy. And so they'll put things out there like a coupon, a discount, or, you know, that sort of thing. But um, most of the people, 97% of the people that are going to see your marketing message aren't ready to buy at this particular moment. Do you have something else for me? If I'd love to have a, buy a Lamborghini someday, but if somebody, I, I'm not in market for that. It's out of my league right now. So somebody coming to me and say, I got 50% off deal on a Lamborghini today. That's a great deal, but I can't pull the trigger. It doesn't matter. It's worthless. That offer is worthless to me. To me, it is because I can't pull the trigger on that. And I would still believe that that would be irrelevant purchase for 97% of the marketplace, even right. at half off. Yeah. I mean, so the, the sexy discounts and whatever, again, sexy discounts, those kinds of things only work with now buyers. Which if they're a now buyer, they're probably going to pay the regular price anyway. Probably, or they're tire kickers and they're just shopping around to, to um, play companies against each other to get the lowest price. I mean, those aren't the kind of com customers you want anyway. Right, right. Wow. And that's like a Groupon strategy, which, you know, not to disparage Groupon, but I don't, for most businesses, I don't think that's a very good um way to go because you're only going to be speaking to the bottom 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 feeder types um there's going to be no loyalty they came to you because they got a smoking good deal how many lifetime you know long-term customer value relationships are developed on groupon i i don't know i don't know honestly but i <laughs> my gut sells me that's got to be minimal I would think so because the repeat business isn't going to be as common. And, you know, if you're doing a like people uh, looking for a good deal. Yeah. If you're a hotel in New York and you do a Groupon, well, fine, because people come and go and all of that. Mm -hmm. But for small businesses who are trying to build their customer base and hit some really great numbers of serving, I don't see it as being advantageous either. You've given us a ton to think about. <laughs>
you sort of know your stuff, don't you? Oh, I'd like to think I do. Oh, yeah, yeah, he says modestly. <laughs> well, I would love for us to have like three more hours of conversation, but everyone would probably get tired of hearing our voices. Uh, probably. Yeah, but I want to thank you. Is there one last thing that you would like to share with small business owners to just, you know, keep in mind as we're working on all this? Um, yeah, a, a one parting thought, and this is hopefully not going to sound self-serving, but um, your core expertise is in delivering the product or service that you have. Um, I would always recommend um, hiring a professional, whether that's me, Maggie, or, or whoever, someone to help you um, to get there, to fill in the gaps, um, to get the expertise that you may not have. Um, so there's a lot that you can certainly do on your own. And Google's amazing, and there's lots of information you can get for free and, and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of really implementing and executing on these things, I do think um, it's money well spent um, to work with um, an expert. Yeah, the return is always there. You know, one way or another, yeah. small business owners are paying. They're paying for their learning curve through time and frustration and not quite hitting the mark, or they're paying the expert to streamline the process and, and have a higher success rate. I'm with you 100%. Yeah. So um, it is great advice. And always have somebody else looking at it because we're missing stuff in our messages. Well, we're, I, we're, so, we're so close to it, you know. A lot of times our friends can tell us things that we've got blind spots about ourselves and a good friend can be honest and, and tell you, and you know, some things that we may not be aware of or, or different ways of, and approaches. And that's, that's the value of having um, an expert, you know, working with you. Well, right. Um, I know I serve up my copy, my content, my marketing messages to others before I activate them. And I imagine you do as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we understand the power that we can get blindsided. Yeah. Right. Everybody can. Okay. So that's, that's where we're going to break in. Everyone, we will have another conversation with Greg again in about two and a half, three months. <clears throat> so yeah, and if anybody wants to, you know, discuss this in, in more detail, um, uh, feel free to reach out and contact me. And I'm going to tell them how to do that right now. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> he just wants to make sure everybody can rock their own marketplace. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I, I know that about him. Okay. So Hey, small business owners, this is how you can learn more about how to engage with our number one best-selling author, Greg Nicholson. You can see he's already invited you <laughs> here and in other places. What would make a lot of sense would be for you to start reading that second chapter in the book, Brilliant Breakthroughs for the Small Business Owner, and gift your business performance by accepting the invitation that Greg has already created for you. It's a complimentary marketing session, and he's offering you access to that. So go ahead and look at the author's page at the end of the chapter because he shares with you how to activate that, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Plus, there's all sorts of social media handles for you to connect with Greg so you can start following him and uh, tap a little bit of his wisdom because he's a generous kind of a guy. <laughs> mm -hmm.
so here's something else that's really cool that I want to share with everybody before we start wrapping this up is right now you can see everything about the book and how to get a hold of it and Greg by going to the books app brilliant biz book all one word brilliant biz book and there's there's a really cool feature there it's called click uh, well you would click on the page that's called ask an expert and you'll see Greg Nicholson's name there. You can click on that and you can type in a question that you have for Greg and he'll reply back to you. You need to give us a little bit of time to process that through, but he will get back to you. So how do you like that for a bonus? Nice. Greg, you, you ready to play that way? Absolutely. Yeah, because you're a good guy. So what I'd like to say is thanks for your time and wisdom sharing today, Greg. And Listeners, we appreciate you listening to the Brilliant Breakthroughs podcast where you can learn more about how to create more brilliant breakthroughs for your small business. Shine brightly until next week.